0: Well, this is the 300th episode of Growing the Game with Ballsy, and I'm happy you're a part of it. I'm coming to you from the Regina Sports Performance Center Studio. Check out their great facility at 1440 Broadway Avenue in the heart of Regina. All our guests come to you via the Hammer Time Roofing Hotline. Hammer Time Roofing is Saskatoon's only five-star certainty roofer. Give them a call at 262Roof. I'd also like to thank these great sponsors. Face First Medical Aesthetics in Regina, above Gables on Dudney Avenue, Beat Back Father Time, in a naturally-looking way with Crescinda, who does great work. AGT Foods and Murad El-Khatib. Man, that guy gives back to the community in so many ways. Not just a valuable businessman, but a valuable part of our community. Double Z Ag Sales out there in Weyburn and surrounding area. For grain hauling, grain marketing, and crop insurance, give Corey a call at 306-842-2406. We start the podcast by hearing from Regina Thunder Defensive Coordinator Andrew Rumba. He's our Coach of the Week for Riders punter John Ryan who's done so much giving back to this community. Rumba called and left me a message and as you're going to hear it's raw and really emotional.
1: Obviously the last time we actually took the field as a unit was uh, 2019 and so we fell short of the goal and uh, you know obviously we lost that home playoff game against the Huskies so that sucked. (laughs) It's obviously it's you know, it's always a chance of something that's the, that's gonna happen and you know we do our best not to but uh sometimes that's it is what it is so 2020 came and COVID hit and man it's like the lights got shut off and that was it we were able to do a little bit in the fall of 2020 there five weeks we could practice in pods and then uh then we kind of went into the off season and it was just a really long off season <laughs> It's essentially how we treated it. So we were able to do some cool things, like uh, on defense, we were really able to uh, transition out of the uh, out of the old and into the new for our defense. In terms of uh, what's that look like? You got too many listeners for me to start telling you exactly what that is. But uh, if you ever want to sit down, I can, you know, walk through it and show you what what we're doing. It's it's pretty exciting. It's pretty cool. So eventually they'll be taping. The secret will be out. But yeah, like we got a full schedule. Hopefully an exhibition game on the 14th, week one, in Winnipeg on the 22nd, you know. The lights are on, the chin straps are on, and mouth guards are in, and we get to play football again, so it's pretty cool. It's just been a long time getting here, honestly. The guys are excited. (laughs) I don't know if you can hear it in my voice, but my, my excitement's through the fucking roof, dude. This is something that we need to do. Um... Obviously, you know, you know how I feel about football, and uh, I fell in love with this game at nine years old, and I have never missed it more at 39 than I have ever, so I'm really excited to get back to it and see the guys get to work and, you know, watch those <laughs> those young men develop into men for another season, and how fortunate I am to be able to be on the sidelines is uh, it's pretty cool, but uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's always it's always such a, a thing. Fortunately enough, we had our spring camp at Libel and thankfully Lenny and all the boys at RMF were able to uh take care of us there. And you know, the unfortunate thing is that you know we went in with a hundred and we came out with, you know, just over eighty. Unfortunately the the business aspect, you know, has to come back online too and we have to uh <laughs> we had to cut guys and let them move on and give them the best opportunity to get on with another club or move on to a different aspect of life that, you know, unfortunately may or may not include football. That's the business part of it that always sucks every year. That's the thing. Yeah, that's cool. Like we're just, we're thankful that, uh, you know, the community was able to support us enough with, uh, with no season last year and (laughs) we were able to keep the lights on. What do you think when I say
0: teeth jewelry? no. Not a stylized grill. There's new jewelry being made, and instead of stones, they use the teeth of lost loved
2: ones. Rings, earrings, necklaces, and more with human teeth. This year, forget the diamonds or sapphires. Give her the gift she'll cherish forever and probably never forget. Say I love you with Uncle Louie's bicuspid studded earrings. Nothing brings more joy than wearing a pair of wisdom teeth from your Aunt Edna as a pendant around your neck. Give her something she's only dreamt of. Your grandma Minnie's dentures separated individually and formed into a beautiful memory bracelet. I love it. It looks like she's biting me. The exclusive Departed Teeth Collection, bringing precious family members back one tooth at a time. Got weeds and worried about the coronavirus? New Roundup is introducing the most advanced weed killer on the market. It's a mixture of isopropylamine and hydroxychloroquine. Because I think it's good. I've heard a lot of good stories. It not only kills weeds in your lawn, it also helps prevent COVID-19. Warning, hydroxychloroquine may not prevent COVID-19. New Roundup with isopropylamine and hydroxychloroquine. Ask the White House landscaper if New Roundup is right for your lawn.
0: And this is Growing the Game with Ballsy from the Regina Sports Performance Center studio, and it's time to head back out on the Hammer Time Roofing Hotline and talk with our Athlete of the Week, Miller running back Marshall Erickson. It's for Paul Waldo at Royal LePage in Regina. Get in the real estate game with the three-time Great Cup champ at 306-502-5355. I watched you tear up the turf there in that first game against the Saskatoon Varsity All-Stars as they had an All-Star game at Liable Field. Just tell me about that game. You were feeling it that night.
3: Yeah, it was a really good game. Um, our whole team came to play. We were preparing really hard uh, through all of the spring league and then our uh, tryouts and uh, our team practices. Our whole team was like really um, prepared and like, wanting to get better, and that's the best thing about the All-Star team. Um, that everybody was committed and everything like that so it was a really good overall team game
0: yeah so talk about uh, th- there was no high school season but fortunately we were able to pull off a spring slash summer rmf season and then of course this all-star back-to-back games with saskatoon just talk about how cool it is to actually get on the field and play some football after a long hiatus
3: yeah, it was really cool. Um, I feel like there's a lot of built-up anticipation on uh, like how everybody was going to perform after such a long break. But I feel like um, the competition and um, the skill level from everybody was still really high. And it was it was really fun to get back in the field for our first game.
0: So tell me what you feel is your best attribute as a running back. I saw some speed there. I saw some shiftiness. I saw a lot of good vision. What do you feel is your best attribute, Marshall?
3: I'd say... Um, my vision and my like ability to burst through, um, like holes and opportunities that I get, I I would say that's my best attribute.
0: How much advice has your dad Colin given you? Of course, Colin Erickson, a great running back for years with the Rams, former city police officer. How many fifth quarters did you get on the car ride home back in the day?
3: Oh yeah. Um, there's always something for me to improve on. Uh, he's always giving me pointers and things that he, he's been through. Um, he always he's always trying to make me better, which is which is what I love about him. But uh, sometimes it can be a little. But yeah. um, overall, it's awesome.
0: All us dads are like that from time to time. Yeah, that's one thing too. You talked about it making a decision and running downhill as a running back. You can't be scared to to burst through the hole and run uh, run between the tackles, run to daylight, so to speak. You cannot. Yeah. So talk to me about that. How much is your dad influencing uh, your career? Because it's. Uh, it's not easy growing up in Regina when your dad was uh, one of the better amateur running backs.
3: Uh, yeah, so my dad, I'm a, little, I'm a little smaller than my dad. My dad was a heavy hitter type of guy. Mm-hmm. Um, He's always tried to um, enforce that on me, and I feel like that since I'm a little bit smaller than him, I still can do that, which is also a big plus on my game. It's been a blessing, guys, I'd say, for um, growing up with him as a coach.
0: So you're wearing number 34. Is it a tribute to your dad? Because that's what he wore when he was my teammate with the Rams.
3: Yeah, yeah. Always 34, yeah.
0: <laughs> Have you been 34 right through your whole career?
3: Through my whole career. Sometimes I switch it up to number 20. That's what my brother, uh, brother's number was, but mostly it's 34. My lucky number.
0: Your brother had a health scare. How's he doing?
3: He's doing great. He's um, completely recovered. Um, going back to school soon here. Uh, yeah, he's living life
0: boy i sure look at that miller marauders team you guys got a stacked team i think when i looked at the roster including practice roster guys there are 13 miller marauders on that uh, regina minor football varsity all-star team that's going to be playing the second half of the back-to-back this coming weekend but uh, yeah you guys got a good team coming up here in the fall
3: yeah we do we we've all been together for uh quite a while now and we've been working hard and um all kind of on the same page, so it should be a fun season coming up. Here, hey, hey,
0: back to you, Marshall. Have you always been on the offensive side of the ball, and have you always been a running back?
3: I've uh, always been on the offensive side, and mostly been a running back for Team South u 16 two summers ago. I played a mixture of both slot back and running back, mm-hmm. um, which is also um, I like because I can um, a little more versatile, like with teams' needs, you know so i can I can do uh, more than just one thing
0: yeah, yeah i heard I heard your grade out of the backfield. I think I only saw one slip screen. It was awesome you I think it was second down, like eighteen. And you picked up a first down, uh, but my my uh, color commentator in the booth, Pete Pasco, said this kid can catch it out of the backfield. You're going into grade twelve. You are a smaller guy right now. you got room to grow. Are you in the weight room? Is your dad pushing you to do that? I know he was a workout fiend. I'm not saying you don't work out, but are you concentrating on that side of things?
3: Yeah, I'm 100% concentrating on that. I've been um, doing my meal plans and all that stuff, trying to get bigger. Um, I've probably gained over COVID, uh, hit the gym heavy in the new uh, Regina Sports Performance Center. Yep. Um, gained about probably 15 pounds, I'd say, of muscle, uh, which has really helped me uh, playing football so far, I've noticed but it's only coming up, only getting better from here.
0: Yeah, good. Do you want to play uh, post-secondary football in terms of university or junior? Where, where does your future uh, lie right now?
3: Yeah, so I'm planning on going to university. Um, I just need to decide what school. I've been talking to a couple schools, having conversations. I just need to um, figure out what school is probably the best fit for me and my future. Um, but that, that decision is um, still a little bit away. So um, just continuing the conversations with schools and uh, – Gonna see where I end up.
0: Would you like to uh, leave home and and get out of uh, out of Regina at the very least, or is that Erickson name still hovering around the Ram locker room?
3: Yeah. So there's there's a there's a big question right there. So I always have that Rams spot in my heart. Um, but there is something else about uh, leaving home and uh, being able to like live by yourself and start a new beginning. But um, I'm not sure, 100 percent sure yet where uh where I'm gonna land on that but there's there's 100% always gonna be a spot on the Rams for my family
0: now you got another year to 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 grow and develop and hit the weights and everything like that uh just looking at you now I would say you're a little undersized to play running back at the next level so what's your mindset as as you gear up for grade 12
3: um yeah so I'm 100% uh trying to get bigger for to be a running back mm-hmm. but i'm also like i'm going to camp to play receiver i've been training as receivers sometimes um especially even in um this our star team i play i starting i'm starting running back but then i'm a second string uh, slot back so i learned both positions and i'm playing both and i'm practicing indies for both um being able to play both and um i think that's what's going to get me further in football is my ability to play both
0: absolutely and man you look great on the field you were uh, definitely one to uh, keep an eye on last week and then coming up saturday here in the second half of the back-to-back good luck in saskatoon and can't wait to see you in the fall my friend thank you talk about your rocking moms a mother in new zealand named her kids metallica Pantera and Slayer. She says there are no restrictions on naming babies after bands or albums as long as the word used is not generally considered to be offensive and doesn't resemble an official rank or title. <laughs> They're already the focus of a new TV show. Check it out.
2: Here's a story of a rocking mommy and she named her children after metal bands. There was Slayer and then Pantera. The metal bunch. The metal bunch. It's so loud you can hear when you lunch.
0: And this is the second half of growing the game with ballsy as we enter the third quarter. Thanks for checking it out. I'm coming to you from the Regina Sports Performance Center studio. Go check out their awesome facility at 1440 Broadway Avenue. Thanks to these other fine sponsors, Advantage Collision in Saskatoon and PA. Choose Advantage Collision. Because they care about your safety. And Mark Greshner Photography, he's done work for me personally, I can tell you. If you want to capture the big moments in your life and have them forever, check out Mark Greshner, he'll do awesome work for you. CFL Training Camp's in full swing, and it's time to head out in the Hammer Time Roofing Hotline and speak with leader, post-sports writer, and friend of this podcast, Rob Vanstone. So you're at 46 kilometers, halfway home on a 100-kilometer bike ride. Have you ever done a 100K and if you have, how many times have you done hundred K?
4: I've done it five times. Um the personal <laughs> best was hundred and twelve. That was the day after I got vaccinated for COVID the second time. So I guess I didn't have any after effects that were negative. Um <laughs> I uh, I'm not sure if I'm gonna have enough daylight to pull this one off because it's just as we record this, it's just past supper time and uh and uh daylight uh Decreases by about three minutes each day, but I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a good shot, see how far I can get, and hopefully survive it. It's uh, this will be number six if I can uh, if I can get there, but uh, we shall see.
0: And Feel do, good so far, and doing it in epic weather, man. When you first started, you could probably ba- barely go around the block.
4: Well, it was really interesting. A, a route that used to take me about an hour and five minutes now takes me about forty two. Um, there were like small little hills. Um, that I just couldn't get up without having to rest for 10 minutes, and now I just go up them in a high gear. It's really, it's. I, I wish I'd uh, taken this good of care of myself when I was uh, when I was young, like you.
0: Wow, truly an inspiration, Robin. I'm not really much younger than you, but I am a diabetic like you, so we have that in common.
4: Yeah, we can maybe we can get a bulk, bulk rate on test trips. Those things are
0: expensive. They certainly are. It's not cheap to be a diabetic. Hey, eh? we we screwed our life up and uh, and we got into a profession where we don't have a lot of money. So uh, even <laughs> even our ailments cost us money. Well, even the, the pre-diabetes foods we ate were
4: rich, but we certainly aren't
0: so <laughs> <laughs> if we could trade in our one-liners especially you uh you would be rich you got you, you're you full of them okay so and by the way yes i have agreed to play on your uh flag football team your media flag football team who else have you got on this team
4: well we're we're um uh amanda ruler claire okay. hannah um uh, Ian Duffy, Lee Jones, uh, Daryl Rommels. We'll see if he can do it. Uh, he just is a, is a, is a, a new father. Yeah. I hope I don't miss anybody. Ryan McNally, Derek Taylor, oh, good. Uh, Britton Gray. Uh, I'm also gray.
5: Uh,
4: uh. <laughs> uh, me. Um, I think that's the extent of it so far, and I am going to work ultra hard to get the best touch football quarterback in the history of uh, football. Or I guess what else other sport could it be? Doctor Mark Anderson, the principal at Luther College High School. I am working, working, working on getting uh, Mark to play quarterback because there's there's simply nobody better. I thought you were going to so, bust.
0: I thought you were going to bust out Ian Hamilton because he could throw the rock too.
4: Yeah, his throws tend to uh, dislocate fingers, uh, but I'm, I'm I'm sending out an invitation to Ian as well. Uh, Ian's an absolute athletic marvel, and at 58, he's just approaching middle age so, yeah. uh, by Hamiltonian standards. So um, he will be hearing from me soon. I want to see what I can tape together. We're, we're going to need, I think, more physiotherapists and uh, and perhaps a coroner than any professional franchise will need considering the uh, – the uh, composition or possible de- decomposition of the
0: roster. Well, I can't wait till uh, uh, till uh, Rob Vanstone uh, throws one to Michael Ball, the old Elway to Steve Watson. That's Steve Watson, one of the underrated Denver Bronco receivers. Everybody talks about Vance Johnson and Mark Jackson and all these guys. Don't forget about Steve Watson.
4: I'm drafted from Temple, he's my favorite. Um, Favorite Denver Bronco of all time, number eighty-one. Yeah. Uh, I have a few Steve Watson uh, autographed pictures sitting around uh, my humble home. I just love Steve Watson. Just me. I don't think I, I don't think he from. He played from from uh, from seventy-nine to eighty-seven. I don't think I ever saw him drop a pass.
0: No, he was just good.
4: Absolutely amazing.
0: Yeah, no gloves, too. So I love that, too. Old school. No gloves. Okay, so let's get to the Denver Broncos, or former Denver Bronco, Paxton Lynch. Uh, As we tape this, you tell me he had a pretty good practice. But can I just stop you right here before you go anywhere? Like, this guy comes in much ballyhooed. First-round pick of the Denver Broncos. Uh, He'll be probably the tallest quarterback ever to play in the CFL if he sticks around. And we give him number four. Couldn't we give him like couldn't we give him like number twelve? Steve Sarkeesian or I think John Huff uh, Huffnagel. Give him a number where nobody really excelled with that number. Or am I wrong?
4: Dalton Bell's old number twelve. Yeah. Uh, well Tom Burgess played reasonably well when he was number twelve, but he was better as a number sixteen. Right. Um John Huffnagel threw twenty one touchdown passes in eighty one, uh, wearing number twelve. But you no, know, it hasn't been a glorious Bob Pierce was was my favorite number twelve of all time, and he wasn't. Well, he was sort of a backup quarterback to Ronnie in in, uh, in seventy four, I believe. But he was a cornerback, receiver, kick returner, punter. He, he could do everything. Um, how did I digress there? Uh, I don't want anybody to wear number four, and even though me when Cameron Judge wore it. At least he wore it with, with distinction. It still bothers me when somebody wears number eighty one because that uh, that should be Ray Elgard's number. I just yes. find G. Roy Simon wearing it. But uh, you know, after that, it should have stopped. Who is the bu-
0: who is the bum before him that wore eighty-one? Somebody wore eighty-one before. We were all talking about it. Who was it before? Uh, there like, were a
4: few like Johnny Quinn wore it. And yeah, Jared Jeffers Harris wore it, and I think was a it, was a Jerry. No, Jerry wasn't Jerry Walker. I think he wore eighty, yeah. which is another issue. Um, <laughs> but there have been a few. I mean, Mitch, Mitch Picton's got it now. Uh, I just. I understand there's only so many numbers in football. You can only go from zero to 99 and then you're out of them. So you can't retire a whole pile of them without making life impossible for the equipment manager or going to fractions or decimals. But uh, to me, Ray Allgard, that was an automatic.
0: Yeah. Okay. So Lynch, how's he looking? Do you think, you touched on something when we were talking about this. Do you, I'm very interested to see if he's going to take this serious enough. And it would be, let's be honest, let's be fair to Paxton Lynch. He had no idea where the hell Saskatchewan was, let's be honest. He probably didn't know much about the CFL. He's made north of $9 million. If he makes the team, he might make sixty, which is probably less than he made a quarter of work with the Denver Broncos. Like, I'm talking a quarter of a game of work. Um, so you couldn't blame him if he didn't take it seriously. And I think that's what a lot of guys fall victim to when they get up here. They think it's just like a, oh, I'll go here, sling it around, teams will want me back. It's not that easy. Yeah,
4: Vince Ferragamo, uh, yeah. For, yeah. for your older listeners.
0: Yeah.
4: Like, um, I, I just, I mean, but you get, you know, you get a player like Doug Flutie who did take it seriously and treated the CFL with, the way he speaks of it now is, is with reverence. Warren Moon knows what the CFL meant to his career and could attest to the to what it takes to, to succeed. There's throws Granted, there's throws that are asked of NFL quarterbacks that are probably more difficult for CFL quarterbacks because there's tighter windows because the field is compressed. But the out pattern can be like a 60-yard throw to gain 9 yards. Um, The the corner pattern can be a bomb to gain 30, whereas in the States I think it would be more of a vertical game sometimes. So you're asking them to make throws that are uh, a lot more complex, and there's another defensive back on the field. Um, so, you know, there's a degree of difficulty in playing the CFL that maybe NFL players don't appreciate. What I did appreciate about Ta- Paxton Lynch, I mean, you can write off day one of his workouts because I mean he hadn't thrown a football against anybody for, for quite some time. But uh, I really liked the way he threw the ball, ball uh, in his second workout. I liked the way all the quarterbacks have looked. Uh, Mason Fine has looked pretty good. Uh, Tom Flacco, Tom Flacco looks good, and he was quite mobile. I, I think of Flacco, and I don't think of mobility, but uh, the, Tom Flacco is much more uh, much more um, mobile than his brother. Uh, and, and Isaac Harker has is, is, is shown, shown some signs. So I think they've got a nice situation there at uh, there at quarterback. It's really going to be interesting to watch Paxton Lynch. You can't miss them.
0: Yeah, no, they're, they're pro coaches, so they get paid to know things that you and I probably wouldn't uh, be able to pick up on. What's going to be very interesting is at that position, how do you – how do you choose who's backing up Cody Fajardo? Like, if any of those guys get in, we got some problems this season. We need Fajardo in there for the whole year. But how do you evaluate who's behind him? And I guess, just by default, is it Isaac Harker's job to lose?
4: You would think so, but I, I, I think the the margin is probably pretty pretty slim. Because um, they, they I think they like the quarterbacks that they've got. And one of them definitely has impressive... Uh, NFL credentials in, 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 in that he was drafted, and then he started the game of the National Football League. You know what? I didn't mind what he did in Denver. I don't think he was any better or worse than some of the flocks that they've been using a quarterback. I mean, this is a team that's tried to out. Trevor Simeon and Case Keenum. Uh, you know, Kyle Orton was a little bit before Peyton Manning. Um, it's just the Brock Osweiler, etc. Yeah. Brett Ripon, uh, Tim Tebow. I mean, uh, Peyton accepted. They've they've thrown some pretty ordinary quarterbacks out there. I didn't think Paxton Lynch was any better or worse than the Trevor Simeons of the world. So, um, you know, Joe Flacco, again, his name comes up once again. So uh, he, I think he got a bad rap because he was a first-round pick and a lot was expected. And they traded up for him. but uh, And I think the rap on him was that he maybe didn't immerse himself in, in the playbook as much as he did. But if you listen to Jason Moss talk about him, and if you listen to him talk about the amount of uh, work that he has done in advance of coming here, despite uh, kind of finding out late in the game that this was going to happen, uh, I think he's, he's pretty serious about this. If he is, I don't see how he's not a factor in the discussion. The interesting thing will be, how do you deval- evaluate them without a preseason game? Yeah. They're fortunate they have an ex-quarterback in Jason Voss trying to make those appraisals, because he'll see some things that, uh, that an offensive coordinator without where a quarterbacking pedigree might miss
0: now you uh you've been to camp i haven't i don't get overly excited about camp as we tape this i'm on my way to go to camp uh, later in the week you've been there but there's really only been two workouts can you notice uh jason moss and what he brings to the table as an offensive coordinator is it way too early to tell
4: you notice little little flourishes you notice the pace you know, Craig Dickinson mentioned that the tempo is, is, is something that uh, that um, people would notice, and uh, and, he, and Craig was talking the other day about how they ran eight plays really quickly, and one of the receivers, and you know, that's quite the workout. And uh, so you notice it's uh, there's that they're going to be going with with no huddle. I think at least periodically, and that's something we didn't see under under the Stephen McAdoo offense. I think they're going to get rid of the ball a little bit more quickly. It might not be as vertical a passing attack. I think uh, looking at what we've seen so far, there's uh, there's there's some more maybe more of a lateral passing attack. Um, They I think they want to get the ball into the hands of playmakers quickly, and I think Kyron Moore stands to be a real beneficiary of that. They're going to feed him the football. He had 996 yards in 18 games and. In 2019, I wouldn't be surprised if he exceeds that in 14. I think he's going to be a, uh, I think uh, he's going to be a major weapon for the Rough Riders under Jason Moss. I think he has the most to gain out of any of the playmakers, perhaps Cody Pajardo being an exclusion with Jason Moss here. But I think I think tempo is going to be a big thing. Uh, no huddle. Uh, I think he's, I think you'll see more designed runs with Cody Fajardo as opposed to some of the impromptu scrambling that uh, mm-hmm. accounted for a lot of his yardage along the ground. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing this this is this is uh this could be a could
0: be a lot of fun. This, this is the he like I know it's obvious to say this, but I really believe this. Cody Fajardo is the most intriguing storyline for me this year, for the simple fact that the guy was a career third down specialist till this year. Remember, we have to go back two years, but do you remember when Kalaros gets hurt? He comes in in Hamilton, and he looked like a deer caught in headlights. And I'm like, oh my god, it is going to be a long year of call-in shows on the uh, Ryder Radio Network. But then. He gets a full week of game planning, and he takes off from there. But now, Rob, they've got game film on him. They know how to defend him. I'm really looking forward to: is Cody the real deal or is he a mirage? That's what I'm looking forward to.
4: The, the other thing is, though, I mean, they've got film on him, but he's had an extra year to watch film of of other of other teams and 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 uh, you know work on his game mentally, if, if not physically. So he's also had the extra preparation time too. So that might. That might be a saw off. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's not any different for him than it would be for anybody else. I don't think there's a lot to really worry about as far as what the Rough Riders will get out of Cody Fajardo this year. I think he's barely scratched the surface. If you look at the fact that he had 18 touchdown passes in 17 games, that's not a very high total for a quarterback of his of his echelon. There's other elements to his game, such as the 10 rushing touchdowns he scored. But just like I mentioned. Tyrann Moore and more, 996 yards in 18 games, and how he might exceed that total in 14. I think you could look at Cody Pajardo and say he's a good bet to get more touchdown passes in 14 games than he did 18. I think I think they've only scratched the surface with regards to their to their passing game, yeah. and that's where I think there's a there's an opportunity for ascent now that uh, Jason Moss is here.
0: Well, you know what? Like, uh, like in BC with Michael Riley, you can't pass from your ass. So the, <laughs> it's going to be interesting. We can talk all we want about the, the, the Fines and the Flacos and the Lynches and the Fajardos and the Harkers of the world. But the key here now is no Brennan uh, you know they, 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 They're missing some guys. To Kobe Cofield, uh, Thad Coleman not here. Uh, what are you seeing from the offensive line, and, and, and what do you think of that makeup in front?
4: Yeah, I mean I, I despite the fact I once outweighed some of the offensive line, but <laughs> I really don't have the kind of expertise that one would uh hope to have in, in appraising them. But if you look at twenty nineteen, the Rough Riders didn't have Brendan Labad for a lot of that season and uh and they still finished first in the West. Now what they did have were Philip Blake and Darius Bladek as as reinforcements and so they did have Dakota Shepley. Mm-hmm. So they uh, I'm not sure that they have behind uh, Brendan Labatt what they did two years ago and that that'll be the concern now Brett Boyko certainly uh is a credible player signing Evan Johnson not only was it a, a wise move before signing Brendan Labatt or before what happened with Brendan Labatt but now it looks absolutely ingenious because that's uh, that that yeah they don't have Brendan Labatt but they're infusing uh, somebody who could be a mainstay for a decade so that allays some of those concerns. You know, Josiah St. John is as, as much as he carries that baggage of being the first overall pick and then perhaps has been labeled a bust, when they absolutely had to use him, I don't think he's he's performed that poorly.
0: No, you're uh, right. You're right. Absolutely. He got he's getting labeled with Paxton Lynch disease. But you're right. Yeah, he, yeah, he went away, he's come back, and I, I really agree. I think I think uh, if you take for if you just blindfolded yourself and said, Okay, he looked at him, you think, Well, yeah, he's a pretty decent lineman. But you're right. He has the he has the first round pick kind of baggage with him.
4: If he was a second round pick, I think I think, I think there'd be a lot. Uh, he could have been the first pick in the second round as opposed to the first pick in the first round, and the expectations would be a lot different, and he'd be the same player. Um, the fact remains, he did not start many games in college football, and and uh, the fact that he went to school where he did um, certainly helped him. But he hasn't if you look at the amount of experience he had before coming to the Canadian Football League uh, it wasn't extensive in terms of playing time and then I know the holding out of his first camp for, for a while certainly didn't uh, didn't help his cause mm-hmm. but once uh, when, when they've had to use him uh, they haven't been in a situation where it's been we got to get him out of there as soon as possible he's been fine yeah. he just he's not what you'd expect from a first overall pick but then again Tyson st James the uh, they they've had some first overall yeah. picks
0: before, Shamari Williams. Shamari, Sometimes yeah. they just don't pan out. Yeah. And uh okay, I better I better let you get to your bike ride, but I got to ask you, you know, has the dust settled? Do we know any more about what's going on with these four Achilles? And here's a question I have. It's like <laughs> once two guys go down, don't we call it quits? Why do we let it go to four? Can't we uh, can't we see, oh, things aren't going well here. We better stop this drill. That's where rules, which I think are well-intended,
4: backfire. Now, the coaches were not allowed to be there. So who was there in authority to say, uh, let's put a stop to this? The, the trainers were so busy with four of these injuries within a reported space of six minutes, uh, they were just trying to help the, help the wounded. So who was there in authority to say, let's stop this? Um, I think Mike, Mike Edom said that, uh, you know, they did stop that drill. Uh, but it happened so fast, and without any coaches there to say, okay, enough of this, you know, if there's a coach there, probably stops after Larry Dean, or, or the, whoever the first injury was. Larry Dean's name was the first to be reported. I'm not sure if he was the first to be injured. But it's certainly, and Craig Dickinson said that the other day too, if, if coaches are there, there are four because somebody's stopping it. But coaches weren't allowed to be there. So
0: let me ask you this, Rob, does this, cause as far as I know, those guys, those guys don't get a wage. They get their, they get their medical expenses covered, but the team is not on the hook to pay those guys their salary. This is an unprecedented time. Like we're in a pandemic. We, the coaches weren't there. If you're the riders, do you not, do you not, does it not look good if somehow you eat that? Like you're all, you already lost 7 million in a pandemic, what is it to eat another couple hundred thousand dollars? Say, you know what, guys? Uh, it's We're sorry. I mean, it's unprecedented at times. Uh, we're going to eat this. Doesn't, doesn't good news travel fast? Because I know bad news travels fast. Uh, if, if, if they say, you know what? It was unfortunate, but those guys did me right. Then the next time the riders look to maybe sign some free agents, people are like, you know what? These guys are a quality organization. I'm not saying they're not a quality organization, but you know where I'm going. Well, players talk amongst themselves, and they have agents,
4: and a lot of the players have the same agent. So, if you're an agent of, of one of the players, say who doesn't get the uh, you know some some compensation uh, after that, and suddenly you're Jeremy O'Day and you're calling this agent, and you want to sign one of his players who's a free agent. Mm-hmm. Gee, the Rough Riders kind of did mm-hmm. me wrong there. I would be absolutely shocked, given. Given the way Craig Reynolds and the Saskatchewan Roughriders carry themselves, if they did not treat the, the the young players who were injured the same way they would uh, treat a vested veteran, uh, and if they don't, uh, just I think there's there's a bad news story there that they really don't need to uh, to have hit them the way everything's gone the last few years. I just I just don't think that it'll it'll come to that. we we saw the situation in the, in the National Football League where some players got hurt. The NFL Players Association didn't want players participating in team-sanctioned workouts. And, you know, Juwan James of the Denver Broncos was, yeah. was injured working out on his own, and there was a lot of, I think he's filed a grievance or something to that effect, because there's a lot of talk about, well, is, there, is a team obligated to pay these players? And you, you, you're perfectly within your right setting technically not to pay them, but if you do that, there may be cons- unintended consequences down the road. And I think you have to look I think you have to look at the larger equation here before you do that, because it might backfire ultimately.
0: Okay, get in the uh, get on the bike and get going here before you cramp up. Thanks for this, buddy. I really appreciate it. Best of uh, luck on your bike ride. Be safe. We'll talk soon. You bet. Thanks Thanks so much for your time, Ballsy. Take care. Well, the rumors are true. Coors Light has made a limited batch of beer infused with ice from Tampa's Amelie Arena, where the Tampa Bay Lightning just won their second consecutive Stanley Cup. We're also hearing it Growing the Game with Ballsy that there's a grand prize promotion. Limited edition
2: Coors Light Infused with real ice From the Stanley Cup Tampa Bay Lightning Arena Rink And as you drink the blood, sweat, and tears of the champs Sit carefully Because if you happen to chug a tooth From Tampa Bay player Nikita Kucherov You're winning box seats all next season And an autographed jersey when Cooch gets his tooth back His dentist needs it for a mold So don't you miss out on what the Zamboni missed <sighs> Nope, no twos in that one. Uh. Limited edition Coors Light Stanley Cup ice. Golden, Colorado.
0: And Pickton with Borsa staying in to protect. Dumps it off the Borsa. screen play to the 45-50 midfield. 50 of Calgary, 45 of Calgary to the 44. Kyle Borsa with a nifty play. This is the fourth quarter of growing the game with Ballsy from the Regina Sports Performance Center studio. You can check them out at 1440 Broadway Avenue. Time to head down the highway now and out on the Hammer Time Roofing hotline and speak with Regina Ram and Winnipeg Blue Bomber draft pick running back Kyle Borsa, who is uh, very busy early on in training camp. I understand you're getting some more reps in camp now with uh, some injuries to Andrew Harris and others.
6: Uh, Yeah, we've been getting a bit more action now, but... uh... I mean, those guys are—they're just taking precaution. I mean, they're—they're going to be fine, and they're going to be ready to go for week one. So, I'm not too concerned about that. I'm just trying to do what I have to do and learn—learn learn the most I can.
0: So, uh, what's it been like uh, for you? Has it been like drinking from a water fountain? Everything's coming at you.
6: Oh yeah, no, it's—it's it's definitely a big change of pace, um, playbook-wise, um, from CIS. There's so much learning and so much extra stuff that you have to know as a running back at this at this level, and um. Yeah, and also the caliber of players here are <laughs> outstanding. So definitely, definitely a little bit of a change of pace,
0: speed of the game, right?
6: Oh yeah, for sure. Like obviously in CIS, I was probably the fastest or one of the fastest guys on the field all the time. And at this level, it's like everybody's fast. So I kind of got to figure out some new ways to to get open and uh, kind of get in the end zone, I guess. Yeah,
0: what's it, what's it like behind Andrew Harris and those kind of guys? Are you uh, just soaking up what they're doing right now?
6: Oh yeah, these—they're just vets, man. Like, they're so smart. I totally understand why Andrew Harris has has had the success that he has. Because that guy—he's—he's a, he's a coach in in the meeting rooms and on the field, and um, yeah, he, he looked at it as more of a coach in the running back room. And an actual running back so very very high football iq from okay
0: your football iq is pretty high how much of a another level is it to, to play professional football to go from U sports to the running back room in the cfl
6: it's really different because here um obviously they have harris and they like to bump out and run routes come all the time and so many different route combinations and um there's a lot of different a lot of different things that they do with the running backs um at this level protection wise wise and even running the ball so yeah it's definitely um it's definitely a lot to learn and um and my me a little bit but i'm gonna do best i can to get there uh,
0: and how how have you gone over with the coaches? Are they liking what you're doing so far Kyle uh
6: well we ha- we've been mostly walkthroughs and yeah um a lot of specialty stuff so um we haven't really gotten a chance to really compete against the defense yet once that kind of happens then we'll we'll i'll get a better feel for what the coaches are feeling
0: It's probably good for you though because you've had a lot of ring rust how's that been going banging that off?
6: Yeah, no, it's, uh, the legs are a little rusty, um, I'm not in my first camp in, in quite a while, so kind of getting used to all the running, and obviously we're, we're low on backs right now, so I'm getting a lot of reps, so my legs are a little bit a little bit stiff, but I'm getting used to it, and as long as you're doing the right things to prepare, then it's it's all good. You're going to have to be multifaceted to make this football team. I think my, where I'm going to make this team is going to be special teams, and um, if I can show my skills there, show my speed, show my strength in, in that area of the game, then I think that would be my, my best way to make the roster. Do
0: you have to pinch yourself at camp? Like, I'm in a CFL camp now, something you always wanted to do. I know I know you probably growing up thought it would be the riders, but hey, it's the next best thing, not that far away from home.
6: Yeah, no, it's uh, honestly, I haven't really been, I've just been so worried about soaking everything in and so worried about learning what I have to do, because the last thing you want to do here um, around all these pros is look like a fool and mess up, so <laughs> um, I'm just straight focused on, like, knowing what I need to do. And, yeah, but, uh, yeah, I haven't really sunk in and I'm uh, in professional football camp right now. So, so,
0: so lastly, Kyle, what's one thing that really, if you could single in one thing, what's the biggest eye-opener for you? Like, wow, they, wow, I didn't know that. Or, holy cow, I didn't think it was to this level.
6: Mm-hmm. I would say the linebackers here. Like, these linebackers are so fast, so big, so strong and so smart. Like Adam Big Hill is a freak. So yeah, like see it, going against these linebackers is is different and I'd say that's the biggest the biggest thing from CIS to um the pro level is that these these linebackers here are just as fast, um, a lot bigger. So
0: all right, Kyle, thanks for this, man. I know you got a busy day ahead of you. Thanks for squeezing me in, and uh, I'll be watching. We're, we're all watching here, rooting for you, even though you're wearing the nasty bomber colors. Take care, buddy.
6: All right, thanks for having me on. It's time for the Gospel According to Ballsy. Alleluia. Alleluia. Alleluia.
0: Well, just before we get to the Gospel, I want to give a shout-out to Regina-born pitcher Thomas Ireland, who was selected by the Texas Rangers in the 13th round of the MLB draft. The Padres took six foot five, 225 pound right-hander Garrett Hawkins, of bigger. So the MLB All-Star festivities just wrapped up and this league is in good hands with the likes of All-Star MVP, Vladdy Guerrero Jr. of the Jays, the Padres Fernando Tatis Jr. and the Angels Shohei Otani. I realize what I like about these three. They love to play the game. They act like kids playing a kid's game. Imagine that, in Otani's case, Remember Little League? What did the best player on your team do? Well, he pitched, and he usually hit in the middle of the lineup. That's what Otani's doing, and doing it at a high level in Major League Baseball. He throws 100 miles an hour and has hit 33 homers in the first half. Now, MLB pitchers usually use five days to recover to pitch again, they need it. Not this guy, he's at the plate every day. That's unreal. Now, the MLB doesn't have a red zone channel like the NFL. It'd be too hard to do with the unpredictability of baseball and the slow pace of the game. But the league app should notify you when those guys are at the plate, or in Otani's case, when he's reaching a pitching milestone too. Sadly, Major League Baseball's too dumb. The commish Rob Manfred indicated that the league would be doing away with the seven inning, doubleheaders and extra inning runner MLB and the major league baseball players association agreed to use seven inning, doubleheaders and the extra innings rule during the pandemic shortened 2020 season to help alleviate the burden of rescheduling games that were postponed because of COVID. Yeah. Great move guys. Let's take away rules that speed the game up and make it more exciting. In fact, I think they should go further. They should add a 15 second pitch clock and the batter should be restricted from leaving the box. They can only leave it once in at bat. None of this tap your heels after every pitch or adjust your gloves or uh, grab your junk or adjust your hat. No, no more Nomar Garcia Parra antics. And the Gospel According to Ballsy is brought to you by Advantage Collision in Saskatoon and PA. Choose Advantage Collision because they care about your safety. Well, let's go a little overtime here on Growing the Game with Ballsy as we talk with the Saskatoon Minor Football Varsity All-Star head coach, Cody Halsep. Well, this guy uh, spends his football season coaching the U of S Huskies in the secondary, but he's also a part of something I think is really cool. The Regina Minor Football Varsity All-Stars against the Saskatoon Minor Football Varsity All-Stars. They had the first game in Regina, won by the Regina team 31 I want to say 15 and then the second game goes this weekend up at SMS field and uh, Cody uh, I'll tell you what that first game uh it may have been a 16 point uh swing in terms of the uh, margin of victory for Regina but I thought the game was a lot closer than that how did you see it
5: yeah we, we felt like we were in the game and until the very uh last play um I think everyone knows that we uh, made mistakes that you just can't make it a football game and you kind of shoot yourself in a foot, putting yourself in a hole you can't dig yourself out of. So um, physically the kids played really hard all game and, and I think uh, we just need to clean up some mistakes and put a few things in to uh, compete. It
0: was 31-8, it was, was to 8, but that was a big uh, pick six at the end. At least if it's a two-game total point, it makes it uh, more manageable for you guys in this uh, second and final game.
5: Yeah, absolutely. I think that was a big play and, and it uh, kind of reinvigorated our sideline at the end of the game. So that was a positive to end on, and it kind of sets us up for a good week of practice.
0: I want to talk about a few players that really caught my eye. I'll tell you what, Ethan Lang is flying around out there, wearing number seven. Kind of a small defender, returns kicks. That guy is a football player's football player.
5: Yeah, he's a tough kid. You know, um, he uh, he practices really hard, and and it kind of shows on uh, on game day. Um, He's a good returner as well. Like he was everywhere on the field for us on defense. Obviously, he made a ton of plays for us, and he's just a, a tough kid. I had to pull him off on the sideline one time. He he uh, returned a kick, and instead of getting out of bounds and maybe saving his body a little bit, he went for a, a big hit on a on someone coming to tackle him. So I, you know, that's just kind of his mindset. He's he's all go all the time. So he's a, he's a great player for us.
0: Tell you who's remarkable, and I didn't know this when I broadcast the game locally here on TV. Um, uh, my mistake, I guess, should have went down and talked to you guys, although you don't know how close you can get with his COVID thing. But I didn't realize that that Sawi kid, Charles Sawi, the running back, he and returner, that was only his third ever football game. He had the touchdown of the night that was called back.
5: <laughs> yeah, you know what? He he came out to the uh, the academy, and, and no one really knew who he was. He's a soccer player. He's been playing soccer up until this point. And uh, he just kind of... Surprised some people when he came out, even in the academy in the first game. He broke off a big 80-yard run, and everyone went, you know, who's this guy? Where did he come from? Um, he's just ultra-athletic, super raw, but when you get the ball in his hands, man, is he's special. So we're pretty excited to have him on the team. I,
0: I just wonder if your game plan, without giving too much away, because I had said in the broadcast, they should have they got the ball to this guy a lot more... Uh, Often in the game, I didn't realize it was only his third game, but might that be a bit of the game plan here in this second game? Because that kid has got—he's good.
5: Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think uh, everybody expects him to get the ball, and he's—he's he's pretty special in that sense. So, um, you know, any way you can get athletes the uh, football and and your best players the ball is is definitely should be part of your game plan. So, um, there'll be a few things before him this week, obviously, but you know, we've got a lot of other good skill position players as well, and uh good two other good running backs as well. So um we're just excited to uh, give those guys an opportunity.
0: So uh uh is another receiver I like number nineteen. I understand he's uh fighting through an injury bug like a lot of players do in football, but he had some real good catches. Real sure handed receiver.
5: Yeah, Lenny's uh also pretty special. Yeah, he's he's a good route runner. He catches the ball really well. He's a smart kid. Uh he should be ready to go this week. Just a little bit of a banged up shoulder, but he's practicing and um, you know, we're excited again to get him back on the field and have them compete. How do you uh,
0: how do you like a, a serving as a head coach for uh, for this team? And and just talk about bringing all these all star, high caliber players from Saskatoon and surrounding area to a really cool thing. I'm glad you guys got to get on the field here and and give in particular grade twelve kids a chance to play some high school football in their senior year through a terrible pandemic.
5: Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, you know, I've, I've never been a head coach, so it's the first time go around for me. Um, it's been a learning experience for myself and the coaching staff as well. I mean, at that first game, we look across the field and, you, you know, you got coach Stusek over there and, you know, coach Gray and coach McConkie. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of years of coaching experience on that staff. It, it's a good test for us to hold ourselves to a high standard and, and, uh, you know, learn from our mistakes. Um, but this, this game has been all about opportunity and, and it's been about the kids. We're just excited that we've been able to give them an opportunity to get back on the field. So, um they've had a great attitude i think everyone's excited just to be back on the field and um now we can take it to the next step and and teach them about you know holding themselves to a high standard and and competing um as all-stars so um it's been a really good experience and we're we're looking forward to saturday night
0: what's been the biggest eye-opening uh thing for you as a head coach what what what's one thing maybe you've learned as a head coach
5: um you know what i've been around uh, enough head coaches that it's it's about being organized and and um keeping the kids accountable uh, i think the biggest uh, eye opener through the whole experience is how much uh, these kids actually love football um you know they're giving up some summer uh, you know usually they'd be out at the lake and doing all this fun stuff but they're they're choosing to uh, you know spend two extra weeks playing football and and they're you know enjoying every single day of it usually you got to kind of give them a little shot in the arm during practices and when it's hot and stuff like that but we've had some great attitudes And um, I think that's been the biggest eye-opener is that kids love football, and that's super exciting as a coach. So I'm just excited to keep going.
0: You know, we talked about Sawi there. Uh, That's the way to get this game where we want it to go. Uh, Grow it with kids that have never played before or new Canadians or, or women. Do you agree with that? Because I think those are three areas where we can really grow this game.
5: Absolutely. I think you're seeing a lot of trends across the country that are starting to catch up. We feel like we've always been leaders in Saskatchewan in that sense. You know, obviously we've got the Valkyrie and the Riot that are, um, you know, dominant um, every year and they've got very, very good programs. Um, And if you look at some of the the players that we get, they're late matures that come from other sports and they go on to have, you know, high-level careers at the youth sports and CJFL level or even just, you know, playing in high school and, and they fall in love with the game and um, I think it's uh, it's really cool that football is in that kind of space where it doesn't matter where you come from or what your background is. Um, there's something that you can love about the game, and it's a, it's a really big family atmosphere, and I think that draws a lot of people. So the more people we can get involved, the better.
0: So uh, just to wrap up, I think uh, this game here is going to be very interesting. I think if you guys clean up the penalties, uh, it's going to be a lot closer than, than the last game. Uh, that that It seemed with your team it was – One step forward, two steps back in a lot of cases.
5: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, that's something we've been focusing on is just cleaning up those little mistakes. I think everyone's pretty positive and and, uh, understands that that falls on us. And um, we kind of hold our own our own cards here, so if we can clean those things up, we should be alright.
0: Yeah, one more I'm going to squeeze in here. Just just comment on how much football's changed from when you played back as a defensive back with the Hilltops and Huskies. Just the caliber of player and, and how much better they've gotten. I, I think a lot of it has to do with the coaching, guys like yourself, but man, the talent level is, a, even the U16 game before yours, it was a lopsided score, but there's a lot of talent on that field on both sides.
3: Yeah, <laughs> I always joke,
5: I wouldn't have been playing Hilltops and Huskies if I would have came out now. Uh, I think all these kids are, you know, not only are they they better football players, but they seem like they're better athletes. They're, you know, they're playing a lot of different sports. They've, you know, taken training seriously. You know, there's kids that come to the the combine and they're, you know, they're running four 740s and um, they're putting up, you know, big numbers on the bench and people are just, you know, taking a liking to to training and and off-season work. And there's more opportunities out there for kids, I think. Um, it's been really neat to see the progression and, and kind of where we're at, and it's exciting in Saskatchewan that we're we're playing at such a high level. There's um, so many talented kids, and I think it shows through these varsity games that there's some kids we had to leave off this team that were, mm-hmm. you know, really good football players, and that's just in you know Saskatoon and area up here. So um, the talent in Saskatchewan has been awesome, and. Uh, you know, all of us old guys look back and think we yeah. could still compete, but uh, yeah, I think it's a pipe dream, so yeah, I wouldn't cool. have, I
0: wouldn't have played either, and and lastly, I'll, I'm going to get one more in here, Cody, now that I got you, what symbolic tour of the two facilities, like in Regina back in the day, my age group, we would have played on a dirt field and just been happy not to run into a gopher hole, but now they've got the uh, very prestigious libel field, and of course when I played with the Rams, we used to come you know, in the fall for a playoff game against the Hilltops, and the field would look Good, but we called it the Gordy Hole Bowl because all they do is cut the grass and throw the shavings in the middle of the field to make it look good. And by warm ups, it was a dirt track. That's not the case anymore. Two really uh, upscale facilities.
5: Yeah, it's pretty beautiful. We're really fortunate in um and, and obviously in Regina, the, the facility is amazing there. Um, I don't think any of these kids know what it's like to play with mud on their jerseys. So I, I know there's a lot of coaches that are probably happy about it as well that are, are washing jerseys and things like that. But, well, you can, you can look good for an entire, uh, entire football game now for sure.
1: Yeah, that's
0: a good way to put it. Equipment managers are happy. Hey, thanks for this, Cody. Good luck on Saturday, buddy. I appreciate your time. Yep, thanks a lot. This has been Growing the Game with Ballsy. If you have a football story you'd like to share to help us grow the game, email Michael Ball at mball at harvardbroadcasting.com. Ballsy can be heard weekdays in Regina on 104.9 The Wolf Morning Show and during Saskatchewan Rough Riders and U of R Rams broadcasts on 620
4: CKRM.